Welcome to the Young Pro Podcast, where our goal is to better equip people working with young adults to grow God's kingdom. Today, Life in the Spirit Seminar, Fan in a Flame, Alpha Course. With all these different call events, how do you know which one is right for you and your outreach? Today, we'll jump into that and much more. I'm your host, Travis Wiesenberg, and this is the Young Pro Podcast. Welcome back to the Young Pro Podcast. Today, me and Mike are talking about knowing which call event we should do. Mike, welcome back to the show. Great to be back. So just a refresher on where, where does the call event fit in what we call the CLOX process of uh, evangelizing people and bringing them into community of, of believers. So a call event is usually, it, it's, it's the third lock and it's the fourth level. So someone coming in, this is usually either A, someone you have reached out to and intentionally built a relationship with that led them to take the next steps in their faith. Maybe you met them at your Taco Tuesday night and or you brought them to your Taco Tuesday night and they connected really well with the people that were there. And then the next thing you said, hey, you know, we actually got some Bible studies going on. Do you want to come to that? And now they've been in this Bible study for, for the past couple of weeks and they've really enjoyed it. And then you give them this pitch to say, you know, I think you would actually really be able to take the next step in your faith. And, and I think this whether it's a Life in the Spirit seminar, Fan in the Flame, or an Alpha course, could be could be helpful for that next step. So it's either someone like that, or it's usually someone who is already at least uh, nominally Christian who wants to know more about how they can live in the power of the Holy Spirit or take their faith to the to the next level. So again, the goal of this is full adult conversion and baptism in the Holy Spirit. So first question, Mike, is what are the most common options used in Sword of the Spirit today? Mm -hmm. Uh, Today, that's a good question. Um, Let me start off with maybe come at it slightly from a historical point of view. Sure. Which is uh, at the very beginning with this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we didn't have anything. Mm. It was, you came to a prayer meeting and you go, what's all this about? Why don't you come back here in the room? We'll pray, lay hands on and pray over you. And it was just Wild West and God only knows what happens, but people <laughs> really got hit. And then we realized, yeah, and there's all these prayer meetings now out there and they don't know what to do. So that was kind of the impetus behind writing the Life in the Spirit Seminars manual was mm. to be able to give a manual to someone so that they could do this process of giving the basic gospel to generally speaking, churchgoers, um, and bring them to the place where they get uh, baptized in the Spirit. So that was what the Life in the Spirit seminar was set up to do. At that point in time, we also really started doing a lot of university work, uh, Mm. especially on the University of Michigan campus. That was really where we really got started. Uh, And started with UCO and started recognizing we're dealing with college students who aren't quite the same as 40-year-old and 50-year-old adults in terms of how much of their faith they know. Sure. Uh, they needed more. So we did something called Basic Christianity, which was basically taking the Life in the Spirit seminar and recognizing we need to add two or three talks to the front hmm. end of this because they didn't know as hmm. much as the Life in the Spirit seminar assumed they knew. 
So what were some of the, the talks that you guys added usually? Yeah, even things like simply, does God exist? Mm, okay. You know, anybody who came to Life and Spirit seminars generally came because they believe God exists. I mean, yeah. they were going to church. Right. But we're evangelizing students now who are coming to a men's night or ultimate Frisbee game, and they go, mm -hmm. I don't know if I believe in God. What do you mm -hmm. mean God? Um, and you had to do some more of that kind of front-end stuff. Uh, so generally speaking, it was very, very basic kind of um, foundational Christian belief that, you, that we uh, started with. Did some more stuff on sin. You had to do a little bit more with people because mm. they just didn't quite have the same understanding, let's put it that way. Great. So, so that basic Christianity was formed out of that need. Then what, what came from that? Okay. So then, um, interestingly, historically, after that was the development of Alpha, which mm. happened in, uh, in the early 90s. And it was very similar in the sense that they were recognizing we're trying to evangelize people who don't go to church. Hmm. And therefore, we need to do more of the evangelistic process for seekers. Hmm. Uh, and that became much more one of the terms was people are really seekers. And recognizing, you know, in our YPO work, we're going off, we're doing C-level events. We're actually looking for seekers yeah. um, or potential seekers even. So they did more stuff on the front end. Alpha course is, is longer than the Life in the Spirit seminar was because, again, they had more uh, stuff on the front end. But they also uh, were a little softer on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So this whole charismatic renewal thing that broke out was just people coming and saying, wow, this is wild and really different. Mm -hmm. And how do I get that experience? You know, yeah. you've got prophetic gifts and you've got healing and you've got praying in tongues and all that kind of stuff. They're keying in on that thing. Mm -hmm. Alpha was much more, how do you help people come into faith in Christ, get get and experience the Holy Spirit and get them into church. Mm, okay. Their outcome was really oriented towards church, whereas the Life in the Spirit seminar was really oriented towards you encountering the Holy Spirit and getting baptized in the Spirit. Hmm. Uh, and a good thing. Um, and then um, Fan in the Flame is kind of like, how would I put it? The most flexible tool of all. <laughs> because Fan in Flame is whatever you need it to be. Yeah. You can do a lot more of the front-end stuff, or you can do less of the follow-up stuff. You might just end with, okay, we prayed with people. Life in the Spirit Seminar did two follow-up talks. Right. right. So it was about, now, well, where to from here? Well, you got to start praying and reading your Bible, and et cetera, et cetera. And all the churchgoers would go, okay, yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas somebody who's come from almost nowhere just gets baptized in the Spirit, and they go, now what? Right. You need to help a lot more than just say, well, start reading your Bible and pray. Mm. And then you might want to come and look at our community and you could go right to that but now you can't so yeah okay so those that, are the differences okay so there's a there's a good couple of differences there uh i actually was just reading recently through the life in the spirit seminar manual and i was uh, yeah which i highly recommend uh you can easily find it on google if you just look up life in the spirit seminar and steve clark made a comment pretty early in it and i'll just read it for us and it says as we begin to work in the life in the spirit seminars we have to be prepared to acquire that spiritual craftsmanship, we have to turn to the Lord and let the Holy Spirit give us the wisdom and ability we need to build well. We cannot be careless and negligent, expecting the Lord to fill in for our neglect, saying the Lord will take care of everything. I, I love this point that, although as Steve says, the Lord will take care of our seminars, retreats, and courses, we should be like Paul when he says to the Corinthians, according to the commission of, the, of God given to me, 
Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and another man is building upon it. Let each man take care how he builds upon it. So my, my next question is, how can we choose our call events like a master builder would choose the material to, to build on top of a foundation? Or, or another, another way to say that is, how can we be strategic with our call event instead of just picking one and going with it? Sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and again, I think this is why we came up with Fan in the Flame as kind of more of a concept than content. Mm. The content, you just go, okay, yeah, what content do you need? Well, use that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the content was much more clearly set for an Alpha course or a, a Life in the Spirit seminar. Um, I think that the, the questions of what do you use, there's a set of different issues. The first one is what time frame are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're working with young professionals. Are you meeting in such a way that you could do something every week mm. to present this? Or are you going to have, well, we're doing it once a month. If you're doing it once a month, you're not going to be able to maintain your audience all the way through. Uh, and, but then if you try to do it all in three hours, you're, it's force-feeding chickens. You know, you yeah. just go, how much can we stuff down their throat? How fast? And you go, that's not going to work. Right. Um, so you, you, the first question you have to ask is, what kind of time frame you're looking at? So sometimes it's uh, people have done, let's do three Fridays and then follow up with a Friday night and Saturday. And uh, Friday and Saturday will have you know four talks in it. So we're doing three on the front, and then we're doing four over the course of a Friday night, Saturday, or something like that. So how you design it according to the time that you have that people will be able to come to is one of the key one of the key questions. Second key question I think is how far downstream do they need to be or upstream, whichever way you want to put it, uh, do they need to be in order to be able to engage what it is that you're doing? Mm. So if you're bringing somebody who goes, I don't even, God, I've never heard of God before. Well, why yeah. don't you come in a Life in the Spirit seminar weekend? Yeah. You go, they're probably not going to be ready for that. And every once in a while, goofy things like that work because sure. God's God. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but generally speaking, what you're saying is, okay, if we're starting with this kind of talk or these kinds of material, that's that's how far up the staircase is this? And we need to get them to the place where they're ready to take the next step. And I think the third question in design is how much time do your staff, as in discussion group leaders, inviters, et cetera, how much are they going to be able to follow up the mm. people that they're inviting? Because if, it, if they have no follow-up time, um, <clears throat> you, you've got a real different scenario than if they do have follow-up time where they can meet with them because they're, they're inviting people from work. Right. I see him, I'm going to see him for the next five days. Yeah. I can talk to him over the water cool about this, and then we can follow it up the next day, and it's bits and pieces, and it's all great. And if it's no, I will not see them again. Again, you go to the monthly, we're going to do this. Well, I see him once a month, and you know, you have, you're just not in touch with the rest of their life. It's not going to work very well. So time, how much follow-up you can do, what's really needed. Those are the kinds of things that go into the design of what it is. The content stuff, there's a lot of stuff out there for determining, all right, here's the content. Uh, in fact, it might even be worth noting that the content thing you can solve fairly easily if what you wanted to do was just use videos. And there's some really good videos of this stuff out there. Uh, and then you go, okay, we're just going to use that content. And that then forms somewhat how you're going to put together the, whether it's a weekend or three weeks in a row and then a weekend or whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting using videos. Uh, that's 
do you think there's an, any ad- other added bonus to, to using a video? I know for some of our smaller chapters, maybe putting together a Life in the Spirit seminar when they only have five people on their team, that's just a lot That's a lot of work for, for five people to share that load. Any other benefits or concerns using videos compared to live speakers? Yeah, I think there's one real significant benefit for a video, which is especially like in a group of five, if one of them's giving the talk and there's five discussion group leaders and five people, they are now criticizing somebody in the room if they don't agree with them. Yep. Whereas if you show a video, it's, well, what did you think when he said this and this and this? And one of your five that are on your team might say, well, I really like this point because I think it's so important for somebody to understand this uh, about God's love. Uh, and then somebody else might say, well, I really didn't get the part where he said that we're all sinners. I, I, don't, I don't think of myself as a sinner. Mm. It's a lot tougher if I'm sitting in a group with 11 people and one of them just gave the talk and for me to say, oh, I don't think I'm a sinner. Yeah. I'm not going to say that. Yeah, yeah. So so some of it is it, 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 it puts it out there objectively. It's quickly, you know, the preparation time is a lot shorter. Uh, so I think there's value to doing uh, video. There's also value to doing stuff live because you learn the content better and you uh, actually learn how to be a better speaker. Mm. So those are of value, but I think it's perfectly fine to go with the video approach. Great, yeah. Yeah, so next question I guess would be, uh, what we know, know a little bit about the differences, but what are, what are the common key characteristics that, that make these call events work? Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously one of the, the most important one is that God actually does what God does. <laughs> Amen, yeah. And I think it's really important for us to go in with faith that God does hmm. what God does. Hmm. You know, one of, the, one of the things I, I always find this funny, when I went to my first Life in the Spirit seminar, they talked about expectant faith. I had no clue what that meant. I just go, I don't even know I, that I can say what faith is, much less expectant faith. Hmm. But now, when you've had the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you start to begin to believe, I know God does this stuff, and I'm expecting that to happen. And I think it's helpful for us to be able to look back and say, you know, we've been doing life in the spirit seminars or variations thereon for years and years and years and god always shows up and does this great stuff for folks we can go in it with a real high level of faith that god really does want to do the transforming work through his holy spirit that we proclaim Mm -hmm. we proclaim it he does it that's just the way this works Uh, so it is very good to have uh that as one of your key foundations, obviously prayer goes with that. Yeah. Uh, you got to have those. If you don't have those, you're 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 not you're not getting the job done. But I think the uh, <clears throat> there's a set of human dynamics hmm. um, that are that are important, and and one of them is what happens in the first ten seconds hmm. when someone comes Interesting. in. Interesting. Um, you know, first impression, reality. Yeah. yeah, they walk in the door, and you go if they feel welcome and they feel like yes, I could be in this environment comfortably, they're going to be doing a lot better than if they walk in and go, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so hospitality, can I take your coat? Do you know so-and-so, et cetera, et cetera. Getting them, you know, it's that first couple of minutes that's, that's really, that is real critical. But I think that goes back to the stuff that we've been saying all along, which is establishing an environment well. Yep, yep. 
if you establish an environment that makes people feel comfortable and that sense of belonging, uh, that's going to make a huge difference in terms of yeah. uh, people just feeling like they fit. So. And I've seen those first 10 seconds are critical for what we've been saying, genius for friendship, inviting them to, uh, you know, pretty much start a friendship with the, the other people in the room, having that eye. Okay. Oh, you just came here. Like, have you met John or have you met Stephen? Oh, well, what do you like to do? Like, oh, you're... You're huge in a mountain bike, mountain biking. Have you met Caleb? And just those first 10 seconds where they feel, oh, I just walked into a group full of strangers and you can capitalize on that to say, all right, I'm actually going to be very intentional to make them feel like these are quickly becoming my friends instead of quickly becoming more and more strange yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that ties into another one, which is the uh, who's leading the, uh, the, the seminar. It's really better to choose somebody who's probably got more of an extroverted uh, personality than an introverted personality. As in, extroverts have a way of getting around a room with 20 people in it and meeting all 20 people in a half an hour. Yeah. Whereas an introvert will go deep dive Mm -hmm. with one person for half an hour and it'd be really, really a good conversation. Right. But... That doesn't set the environment, doesn't set the tone in the way that an extrovert does. It's it's the kind of the classic youth worker thing. What do you want for a youth worker? Everybody wants the cool extrovert. Now, the introverts actually have ability to move a whole set of people further along, and that's yeah. really, really important. But for upfront leadership, you do want someone who's winning, easygoing, makes people feel at ease, uh, and and probably somebody who's able to do it consistently that you're not popping somebody new up that mm. got a nod do I what do I think about this person yeah unless you've got a, a lineup of you know Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and <laughs> and um, Babe Ruth um uh, you know, I'd go with I'd go with one yeah. rather than a bunch or a, a smaller group of people to to make that environment and that focal point work so that people go, yeah, I'm comfortable. He's back up in front, and I'm not trying to get to know somebody else new here. So yeah, I think sometimes uh, a lot of times consistency can build a comfort, which then can allow for the building of trust to happen, and and having the same person up there, okay. He's, it's especially setting the tone is we're all in this together. I'm, I'm here to kind of guide us through for the next seven weeks is mm-hmm. that's a, yeah, I, I've seen that really put uh, a lot of people at ease mm-hmm. by, by just having that same person go through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what, so there are some of the relational develop, uh, dynamics, any other key, key characteristics that we should be having in our, in our call events? I think there's a couple of questions still that, that are worth looking at. One is if you have testimonies. Testimonies can be really good because what they do is they personalize mm. the content. Now, often a good speaker uses personal stories and illustrations in it, but having somebody live in the room that's saying, this is what happened to me when I got prayed with for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you're about to pray with people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, makes it living in the room. Yeah. Uh, the same kind of thing if you're giving a talk on repentance and forgiveness, having somebody who can who can say, hey, this is what I experienced uh, when I went through a Life in the Spirit seminar. At first, I really understood that I could be forgiven. And when they prayed with me, I really experienced great forgiveness. And boy, that really was important. That kind of thing, having testimonies that are really sharp, they're focused on the content of what you're presenting, can really drive home some of the material in a way that even a good talk doesn't. 
Because people aren't going to argue. I'm not going to argue with you about your personal experience. If you really felt mm. forgiven, I'm not going to say, no, you didn't. <laughs> of course yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, I, you're going to win me, uh, et cetera. So I think the, the uh, testimonies are a, a critical piece. Obviously, how a discussion group goes as mm. well, because you can have discussion groups in it. Right. And if people are feeling like, okay, awkward, you go, oh, that's not going to work. Um, or will that person ever shut up? Yeah. 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 That dynamic. Yeah. Um, so good discussion group leading makes people feel like they they belong, that they're invited to participate and, you know, knowing some basic things about how do you have, help someone engage in the discussion, invite them into the discussion and how do you help someone else back off a bit are real critical things as well for making this all work, work well. Yeah. And th- those are kind of some of the masters of conversation stuff that we've covered before. So if you want to take a deeper dive onto that, uh, look back at that episode, relational dynamics, having expectant faith, uh, obviously covering it in prayer and the consistency of an MC and, and having strong small groups, any, any other closing, closing comments on just how to, or encouragements on how to put on a a really winning and powerful call event. I think the one other thing I would say would be follow-up, the importance of follow-up. Mm. Uh, the fact is you do something, people have great experience, and they walk out the door, guess what's happening, and the evil one's going to try to unseat everything that you did. Yeah. Therefore, having a strategy to follow up everybody that came to this fairly quickly, uh, who is going to be talking to who, uh, how, do we, how do we do something so that the initiative that God's just taken with them does not get stolen away by yeah. the evil one uh, is is pretty critical. Otherwise, you waste a lot of time um, and you see the fruit of your labors lost. So hmm. follow it up well. And, uh, you know, I, I, we have had such a great experience of using these tools for transforming people's lives, for seeing God transform people's lives, I should say, that, uh, you know, I, I'm confident that, all of these will work. Mm-hmm. The question is just going in with real faith and doing it in a high-quality master builder way. You're going to see God work. Amen. Yeah. Well, Mike, thanks for thanks for giving us some of your thoughts on this, and uh, thanks for coming on the show as usual. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me.